Hello, and welcome to 7-Minute Explainers, your audio guide to everything you need to know about compelling and complex topics. I'm Jesse Wright Mendoza, and today I'd like to talk about life after the White House. People ask how I feel about leaving, and the fact is parting is such sweet sorrow. The sweet part is California and the ranch and freedom. The sorrow, the goodbyes, of course, and leaving this beautiful place. In his farewell address, Ronald Reagan hinted at the quietude of his second act. Like many ex-presidents, Reagan did step away from politics after leaving office. He spent time on his ranch in California, he worked on his memoirs, and he supervised the creation of the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library up until his Alzheimer's diagnosis in 1994. Former President George W. Bush also had a fairly content and quiet retirement. I am very grateful to President Obama and Michelle for making this trip. Unlike the other presidents here, he's actually got a job. In 2013, Bush made a speech dedicating his presidential library. Surrounded by the then-current president, as well as former presidents Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, and his father George H.W. Bush, he took the opportunity to make light of their unique retirement experience. Alexander Hamilton once worried about ex-presidents wandering among the people like discontented ghosts. Actually, I think we seem pretty happy. Bush has spent the eight years since leaving office painting, writing a lucrative memoir, delivering high-paying speeches, and generally avoiding politics. He's pointedly refrained from criticizing Democratic successor Barack Obama. But not all presidents go so quietly. For example, there's Don Quincy Adams, who was particularly active. After a bitter re-election defeat by Andrew Jackson in 1828, Adams came back to Washington as a member of the House of Representatives. He went on to serve with distinction for 17 years until he suffered a fatal stroke on the House floor at the age of 80. Andrew Johnson is the only ex-president to serve in the U.S. Senate. The elected position was vindication after being impeached and acquitted as president. Unfortunately, it was a short-lived rebound. Johnson died of a stroke just five months into his term. Theodore Roosevelt was a bit more aggressive in the years following his presidency. As a reformer, Roosevelt was frustrated by President Taft's conservatism. When Taft went up for re-election in 1912, Roosevelt mounted a third-party campaign. In the end, Roosevelt and his progressive party split the Republican vote, sabotaged Taft, and essentially helped Democrat Woodrow Wilson get elected. But don't feel bad for Taft. Almost a decade after his humiliating loss, Taft was named Chief Justice of the Supreme Court by President Warren G. Harding. Taft was once a judge in Ohio, so the Supreme Court appointment was a dream job. And though his time on the bench was relatively short, he died in 1930, just nine years in, historians agree that Taft belongs to a select group whose post-presidencies outshone their tenure in the White House. Also in that group is Herbert Hoover. When he left office in 1933, he was a political pariah, blamed for ignoring conditions that led to the Great Depression. But he redeemed himself in the late 1940s, after President Harry Truman tapped him to lead post-World War II relief efforts and help streamline the federal bureaucracy. One-term Democrat Jimmy Carter was similarly unpopular after Ronald Reagan crushed him in 1980, 
but in 1982, he established the Carter Center and devoted himself to humanitarian causes. Though Carter's post-presidency hasn't been all smooth sailing, his outspoken advocacy for the Palestinians angered pro-Israel Republicans and Democrats. He's also ruffled some feathers by bluntly criticizing Bush 43 for the Iraq War and Obama for his foreign policy record. In the years ahead, I will never hold a position higher or a covenant more sacred than that of President of the United States. Bill Clinton followed in Carter's humanitarian footsteps. But there is no title I will wear more proudly than that of citizens. But he's had mixed results. On one hand, his family foundation has raised some $2 billion for various global causes. But lavish corporate and foreign donations, especially while Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, raised pay-for-play allegations. The Clintons, who draw speaking fees at $200,000 a pop, have raked in an estimated $150 million since leaving the White House. As for Obama, well, he certainly won't go hungry either. Eloquent, charismatic, and still popular, Obama could command higher speaking fees than any ex-president, and his presidential memoir may draw a $45 million advance. But as he pads his bank account, he'll also be working on rebuilding the Democratic Party, which lost hundreds of congressional and state house seats during his tenure. Then there's the matter of his legacy. With Trump vowing to reverse almost every Obama policy, it seems unlikely Obama will go quietly into that good night. And we look forward to continuing this journey with all of you. And I can't wait to see what you do next. And I promise you I'll be right there with you. And in fact, just 10 days out of office, Obama did speak out about President Trump's executive order on immigration, which sparked nationwide protest. In his statement, Obama focused on being supportive of Americans exercising their right to be heard. But he did add that he fundamentally disagrees with the notion of discriminating against individuals because of their faith or religion. It was a muted response compared to other Democrats. But it suggests that this is not the last American politics we'll see of Barack Obama. And that does it for this episode of 7-Minute Explainers. Look out for new episodes every Thursday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. To listen to the week's selection of podcasts, go to theweek.com slash audio. I'm Jesse Wright Mendoza, and thanks so much for listening.